Well, good morning, everyone. How are we? So good to see all of you here today. I want to reiterate my excitement about groups. Again, this is the last week to sign up. You can sign up for groups at arborchurch.com groups. And I'm just so grateful for Pastor Allison and all her hard work over groups and organizing that. Can we thank Pastor Allison for that? Yeah. She's not with us here today. She is sick, but probably watching online, but so grateful for her. And also grateful for Brian and the message that he taught us last week and his call to um, uh, have us commit to community and to grow together. Uh, Can we thank Brian for that as well? I think God was well pleased with Brian as well uh, as the Lord's face shone upon him and 49ers fans everywhere last week with that victory. See, the Seahawks did not look good last week, guys. I'm sorry. I know, it was a tough loss. It was a tough loss, but here's the thing. My Bears also looked terrible, okay? And I, and I announced last week uh, that I was going to be leading a group on Wednesday mornings at 7 a.m., and I was unsure as to what I was going to be leading and what we were going to be doing, but I think after last Sunday, I figured it out. Uh, it's going to be a support group for Seahawks fans and Bears fans, Okay? <laughs> So if you're grieving, if you're struggling during this season, go to arborchurch.com groups and you can look for the group called Sad Football Fans, okay? <laughs> Sign up today. It's going to be good. Um, Arbor, we are in the final week of our little series here called Better Together. And our hope in this series is, is that God would deepen our conviction that we are truly better together. That when life gets hard and, and it feels chaotic, that instead of going to the couch and getting the blanket and turning on Netflix and just vegging out, that we would truly believe that life is lived better together. That as followers of Jesus Christ, we are better as a body. Amen? And we learned in the first week that we are better together when we serve together. And it was such an exciting weekend seeing so many of you step up and step into roles here serving at Arbor. Last week, we learned that we're better together when we grow together, when we commit to gathering together here on Sunday mornings and growing together in groups. And today, we are going to see that we are better together when we invite together. We're better together when we invite together. And Arbor, can I just, can I share something with all of you? Can I share a pretty hard word with all of you right now? Is that okay? No, you're like, no, no, thank you. We're good, we're good, move on. No, here's the thing, actually, here's the truth. You guys are all really, really awesome at this, at inviting. Like over the past couple of months, I know that my experience is not everyone's experience, that as the new pastor, it's not going to be the same for everyone here, but if, but if people experience 10% of what I've experienced and what I've seen, Over the last two months, my family's been invited over for coffees and lunches and dinners and to watch sports and to play golf and hang out. And listen, it's not just me. I've seen this in in this community. I've seen an eagerness and an excitement to involve people in your lives and in this community. And today, here's what I want to do. I want to celebrate that. And I want to encourage us to press deeper into that gifting because, listen, that is a gift that this community has. And I want to encourage us to press deeper into the reality that we are better together when we invite together. Now, now invitations come in all shapes and sizes, don't they? Like some invitations are really casual and really informal, like a friend might ask you, hey, let's, let's go out to dinner this Friday night and let's go see that movie. And you're like, sure, let's do it, you know? Other invites we get on Facebook, right? You get invited to something on Facebook and you can go to that invite and you can see who said yes and who said no and who said maybe and then you can make your decision based on who might be there, right? (laughs) You know you do it. You know you do that, right? Other invites are really formal, right? You might get them in the mail and they're printed on really nice paper 
and there's like calligraphy, maybe for some wedding, and they usually announce that something really important is about to happen. You got a RSVP for it. Regardless of what form the invite comes, invitations say that you are welcomed. They say that you are wanted. That, that something is about to happen and you are included. And when I think of invitations, my mind is naturally drawn to Jesus. Because Jesus was the best at inviting. He, he was the best at, at, at seeking other people out and searching for them and going after them. He was the best at, at calling people out of the lives that they were living into a new and better way of living that they could have never imagined. Jesus was like the best at inviting, but what was unique about the way that Jesus invited people is that Jesus would find people that other people weren't looking for. Jesus would find people that were totally off of other people's radars. For an instance, there's a story in the Gospel of John in John chapter four where Jesus finds himself in, in, this, in this town called Samaria. Now to the religious Jews of Jesus' time, Samaria was like a place that you didn't go to. Like, like if you could choose the long route around it or the short route through it, you took the long route, route around it because to the, to the religious people of that time, those people in Samaria were unclean. And, and yet Jesus went there. Jesus went there. And on this particular day in Samaria, Jesus went to this well. And he met this woman at that well. And, and, and this woman, even among the Samaritans who were disregarded by their neighbors, she was disregarded by her neighbors because of her past and because of her current life situation. And Jesus encounters this woman at this well in the middle of the day. And back then, you didn't get water in the middle of the day. You got water at the beginning of the day. Not when it was so hot in the middle of the day, and yet this woman was there because she was trying to avoid the people that were trying to avoid her. And yet what she didn't know is that Jesus would be there waiting for her. And in this story, Jesus starts to talk to her, and he asks her for water, and then he starts to talk about some water that he can offer her, and he says this to her. He says, everyone who drinks some of this water, referring to the well water, will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks some of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. But the water that I will give him will become a fountain of water springing up to eternal life. And so what Jesus is doing here is he is calling this woman out of her former way of living into a new and better way of living. This woman who avoided others and who was avoided by others, Jesus says to her, listen, he says, you are welcome." He says to her, you are wanted. You are included in what I'm about to do. And what did this woman do in response? She left Jesus and went into town and invited others to experience what she had just experienced. It's this beautiful story of redemption and invitation. Jesus is the great inviter. Another story I think about is when uh, Jesus shows up in Jericho and he encounters this vertically challenged tax collector. You know who I'm talking about, right? Zacchaeus, and Zacchaeus was a wee little man, right? And, and, and Jesus was in Jericho, and he wanted to see Jesus, and, and there were these crowds of tall people all around him, and he couldn't see, and so he climbed up into a sycamore tree because the Lord, his God, he wanted to see, right? <laughs> and so he climbs up in that tree, and, and, and Jesus, in Luke 19, it says this, and when Jesus came to that place, like that spot, by that tree, 
with Zacchaeus. And he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down quickly because I must stay at your house today. And so he came down quickly and welcomed Jesus joyfully. And when the people saw it, they all complained and they said, he has gone in to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. And we need to understand that in Jesus' day, tax collectors were considered wicked and evil. And I know that many of you today still think that tax collectors are wicked and they are evil, right? Like people despised Zacchaeus. They didn't want anything to do with Zacchaeus. But Jesus sought him out. He went to where Zacchaeus was. The text says he went to that place and he invited him. He invited himself over to his house. You see, this is what Jesus does. Jesus sees people that other people don't see. Jesus includes people that other people exclude. He was the great inviter. This is the way that Jesus was with his own disciples, the twelve. Jesus didn't seek out the best of the best. He sought out regular, uneducated guys to be his closest followers. People that that rabbis, other rabbis, might have disregarded and said, you're not good enough to follow me. In Matthew 4, it says that as he was walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and Andrew his brother. And they were casting a net into the sea for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me and I will turn you into fishers of people. Later in Luke chapter 5, uh, Jesus, he's, he's, he's going out and he's looking for more disciples and he finds this one individual named Levi who we know as Matthew and he's a tax collector and he says, you, you come and follow me. And then in the beginning of John's gospel, in John chapter 1, we, we see this story where, where Jesus is going out and, 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 and it says he found Philip. Like he was going out and seeking out Philip. It says he found him and, and, and Jesus said to him, come follow me. This is what Jesus does. This is what Jesus does. He finds people. He seeks them out. And, and, and listen, he doesn't just see people for who they are on the surface, he calls out the God thing inside of them. He he calls out what they're created for, what they're made for, what they're designed for, their purpose. These disciples, remember, were those that were closest to him when he was teaching the Sermon on the Mount, and he said, you are salt, you are light. He spoke that value into them. You see, when Jesus called these 12 to be his followers, he didn't just view them as ordinary fishermen and and tax collectors. He viewed them as, as the very people that God was going to use to turn his world upside down. God called out the best in them. And see, this is, church, this is what we are called to do. We are called to follow Jesus and seek and find those who other people don't see. We are called to include the excluded. And listen, we are called to call out why those people were created. This is what Jesus has done for us. What we were designed for, what we were made for, We are called to help others see that there is a new and better way of living full of purpose and mission. But note this, when Jesus calls his disciples to follow him, he doesn't say, follow me and and I'll make your lives better. He doesn't say, follow me and I'll make you nicer or I'll make you smarter or I'll make you richer. Nothing wrong with any of those things, but you see, Jesus calls us to something deeper, He speaks to our purpose and he says, follow me 
and I will turn you into fishers of people. Let that sink in for a second. Follow me, and I will turn you into fishers of people. You see, we are not just called to follow. We are also called to fish. This is our purpose. This is our calling. You were not just called to follow Jesus. You were called to fish for people. In fact, throughout the story of Scripture, what we see are that those who are most passionately following after Jesus, we see this wellspring of spiritual life pour out of them and and create spiritual life elsewhere. We see other people following after Jesus as we follow him. We are not called just to follow. We are also called to fish. But I need to be honest here for a second. I hate fishing. I hate it. I hate fishing. Anyone here love fishing? Anyone here love it? Just raise your hands. You love fishing. In the past two months, thankfully, no one has invited me to go out fishing. But if you want to be the person who convinces me that fishing is great, go for it. But I just, I don't like it. Back in Michigan, where my wife and I moved from, um, I had friends who loved fishing. I mean, they loved it. And they fished all the time. They would fish in the summertime when the weather was nice and the sun was out and it actually made sense to fish. But they would also fish in the wintertime. And in Michigan, winter is awful. And there's tons of snow and it's super cold. And, and here's what they would do. The lakes would freeze over and they would cut these holes in the lake and they'd build these little tents and they would sit around this hole and they would fish. Like on a Saturday, they'd do it all day long and then they'd come on Sunday and be like, you won't believe it, we had the best time. We were out there on the lake and it was frozen. I'd be like, you guys are lunatics, okay? I was in my house. I enjoyed it. It was warm where a normal person should be. <laughs> Striking a nerve, right? <laughs> Let me ask you this though. Those of you who enjoy fishing, how many of you would say like you're pretty good at fishing? Just raise your hand. Be bold. It's okay. Like you know what you're doing when you're out on the water. Let me ask all of you this though, Okay. How many of you in your lifetime have ever been fishing? Raise your hands. Ever, ever. You've never been fishing? No? You've never? You've been fishing? Yeah, okay, great. Um, In my lifetime of not enjoying fishing, here are some things that I've observed about fishing. Some people are really good at fishing. Some people are really good at fishing, but anyone can do it. Anyone can do it. Some people are really good. You know, they've got like the box with all the little trinkets and the little shiny thing (laughs) that like goes through the water and attracts the, you can tell I'm like a fishing professional, right? They've got all the stuff, right? They're super good at it. But listen, anyone can do it. Anyone can get a fishing rod and cast a line and catch a fish, right? Same goes for inviting other people to experience Jesus Christ, right? Same goes with sharing. Some people are really good at it. Some people, some people are super gifted with the gift of evangelism and they can share their faith. It just seems so natural to them. They'll go into a Safeway and, and buy a couple gallons of milk and come out with like three people who gave their lives to Christ, right? Like some people are super gifted at it, whereas others of us, man, like it's, it's hard for us and, and we get nervous, but listen, anyone can do it. If you follow Jesus, you have the Holy Spirit inside of you and you have the testimony of the gospel and you can share your faith. Some people are really good at it, but anyone can do it. Here's another thing I've learned about fishing. Um, People who love to fish really know their fish. People who love to fish really know their fish. Like my friends back in Michigan who love to fish, they knew like exactly what time of the day to go out onto the lake and where the fish would be and what kind of bait to use. And, And they knew how deep the fish would be and had little computers that would show them where the fish was so they can get down at their level. And listen, the same principle applies for us seeking to invite others into a relationship with Jesus. 
We need to know the people that we are calling into a relationship with Jesus. We need to know what's going on in their lives. We, we, we need to know where they're at so that we can share our faith most effectively. People who love to fish, they know their fish. And finally, I've also noticed this, fishing requires patience, right? Doesn't it? This is probably why I hate fishing the most. <laughs> fishing requires patience. Uh, the very few times I've gone out fishing, um, most of the times the fish aren't biting, right? And sometimes the fish, they just aren't biting. But that doesn't like keep people from going out who like fishing again the next day. In fact, I think it's the very thing that propels people out onto the lake the very next day because they're like, today is going to be the day. And we're going to catch the big one today. And we're going to catch a lot of fish today. Listen, for some of you, you have been sharing your faith and you've been inviting people into a relationship with Jesus, friends and family members, and, and you haven't seen any movement, and you haven't seen any interest, listen, keep fishing, keep sharing, keep inviting, because eventually, God willing, they will come to a spot where they recognize they need Jesus, and they'll know who to go to. They'll be like, I need the hope that she has. I need the purpose that she has. I need the peace that she has, and, and, and they'll, they'll, they'll come to you, and you will have what they need, the gospel of Jesus Christ. We are not called just to follow. We are also called to fish. We're also called to fish. Look again at that verse where Jesus said this, follow me and I will turn you into fishers of people. You see, in this verse, this verse is loaded with, with promise and with purpose. It's loaded with promise and purpose. This is a promise right here. Jesus says that if you follow him, he will. He will turn you into a fisher of people, but it's also filled with our purpose, what we're called to do. That when we pattern our lives after Jesus' life, we will fish for people. This verse is descriptive and prescriptive. It, it describes what we are to do as followers of Jesus, but it also prescribes what we are to do as followers of Jesus. And remember, Jesus came for people. Jesus, when he was here, his life was all about people, inviting people into something they could never imagine, inviting people to experience something that they could never imagine. And so as we follow Jesus, his priorities become our priorities. And Jesus was all about people. People are our priority. People are our priority. Another verse I want to share with all of you is in Romans 10. In Romans 10 verse 13, it says this, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. In fact, let's say that together. Say that with me right now. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That is an amazing promise right there. That is an amazing promise about the eternal life that we can have by calling on the name of the Lord. And verse nine talks about this. It says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and thus has righteousness, and with the mouth one confesses and thus has salvation. Listen, there is nothing we can do to earn our salvation. No amount of good work. You can't buy it. You can't earn it. It is a free gift from God. It is a free gift from God. But look at verse 13. This is a verse that comes after all of those verses, and it's a sobering verse. It says this. How are they to call on one they have not believed in? 
And how are they to believe in one they have not heard of? And how are they to hear, listen, without someone telling them? Listen, somebody has to go. Somebody has to go and tell others of the love and hope of Jesus Christ. Somebody has to go and tell that neighbor. Somebody has to go and tell that friend at school. Somebody has to go and tell that person at work. And do you know who that someone has to be? You and me. It has to be us because we've heard and we've experienced it and we've tasted and seen that the Lord is good, that that somebody has to be us. And listen, I know, I believe that deep down inside of our hearts, we know this to be true. And we wanna do this. But so often the opportunity arises for us to invite someone to church or share our faith with them and we freeze up with fear, right? And we're like, I don't know what to say and and what if I say something weird and they think I'm a big freak and they don't wanna talk to me anymore and I say the wrong thing and, 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 and I ruin the opportunity. But others of us, I mean, we know people who are really good at this, right? We know people who are like really natural at sharing their faith. Maybe you know someone in this church who's really gifted in evangelism. I had this friend in college. His name was James, and he was my best man at my wedding, and he was amazing at this. Like on one trip, we went down to Florida, uh, and we went there because it was just awful in, in Chicago in March, and we were trying to get away from the, the cold, and so we went down there, and we crashed at this timeshare that we probably shouldn't have been at, and so we're hanging out in this hot tub, and there are like these other families there, and I'm just sitting there, and I'm like enjoying my life. I'm like, we're away from school, it's not 12 degrees outside, and I'm soaking in this nice hot tub, but my friend James was always on mission. He was always on mission. Like he was there and he was sharing the gospel with every single person in that hot tub. And by the time we left, I kid you not, there were two high school students that had given their lives to Christ. It was amazing. In fact, he kept in contact with one of those kids and they were emailing and he was like, I'm back in Wisconsin, James. And I joined a youth group. I'm in Wisconsin now and and, and I lead worship at my youth group. And I was like, this is unbelievable. Like we know people who are amazing at this, right? Right? people who are really gifted, but for, for the rest of us, when we freeze up, when we have this opportunity, we struggle when we're faced with the opportunity to share our faith, to invite others into a relationship with Jesus. And I was thinking, why is it that we freeze up and we get scared when we are about to share something that is so amazing and that has been so life-changing for so many of us? Because here's what I know to be true. When we, when we experience something that like, we're really passionate about, we tell others about it, don't we? Like when we go to a restaurant and it's like really like, well done and the service is great and the food is delicious, we tell other people, man, you gotta check this place out, right? Or, or when we see a movie or a TV show and we found it like, super entertaining, you're like, you gotta, you gotta check this show out. We share with others what we're passionate about, what, 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 we, what we find enjoyment in. So, so why do we get hung up here? And I think there are two big reasons. I think there are a lot of reasons, but I think there are two big reasons. And one big reason is this. We know how imperfect we are. We know how imperfect we are. We know ourselves. We know the mistakes we've made. We know how messed up we are. And we think, well, listen, I don't have it all together. I don't have it all together. And so who am I to share with others about Jesus? And listen, here's the truth. You are messed up. You are. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're messed up. <laughs> you're messed up. You're imperfect. That's true. It's re- it's, we're, we are. But listen, while you might not be perfect, 
you are God's perfect person in that individual's life to share with them about Jesus. Even with your mistakes and failures. In fact, maybe even because of your mistakes and failures. Yeah. Have you ever thought about that? Have you ever thought about the thing that, that you think disqualifies you from sharing your faith with someone else is the very thing that qualifies you to share your faith with that person? That the thing that you say, no, that counts me out is the very thing that God is counting on in you? That your story and your struggles and what you've gone through is the very thing that is going to bring hope and encouragement to that person that you're thinking about right now? And they'll, they'll hear your story and they'll be like, wow, like, that's what you went through? And, and, and you were forgiven and you found hope and, 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 and you're loved by God, then, then, then maybe there's hope for me too. Listen, we don't have to have it all together in order to share about Jesus, in order to invite others into a relationship with Jesus. Here's the second hang-up I think some of us have that we have to get through, and it's this. Uh, we don't have all the answers. Like, well, I don't have all the answers, and, and what if I start talking about my faith with someone, and they start asking me questions about, you know, uh, creation, and was it six days, or was there evolution, and I don't know the answer, you know, and I freak out, or, or what if I start talking about God and how much he loves me, and they're like, well, that's good for you, but how can a loving God allow bad things to happen to good, and you're like, I don't, I don't know, right? Like, listen, you don't have to know all the answers. You don't, have to know, you don't have to be a Bible scholar to share with others about Jesus Christ, you don't have to have all the answers. All you have to do is share your story. Point people to Jesus. Say, listen, I don't know the answer to those questions, but, but I do know Jesus, and I do know where I was, and I do know what he did in my life, and, and let me tell you about him. Listen, Jesus said you will be my witnesses, not you will be my attorneys. Yeah. Attorneys have something to prove. Jesus just calls us to share our story. We have nothing to prove, but we have a ton to share. And if you follow Jesus, you have the story of the gospel inside of you. 1 John 5.10 says this, the one who believes in the Son of God has the testimony of God in them. You have the testimony. You have the story of God inside of you. Just share your story. Share your story. And in this room, I know there are tons of stories of redemption here. Stories of how God led you through a deep struggle in your life. Stories of how God provided for you. Stories of how God healed relationships. Stories of how God is doing that right now. We don't have to have all the answers, that's okay. Just tell your story and help others find and follow Jesus because Arbor, that's our mission. That's our mission here at this church. We are people helping people find and follow Jesus. And that mission is, is drawn straight from the words of Jesus and some of the last things he taught his disciples in Matthew 28. In your Bibles, it probably has the title, The Great Commission. We are to go to the ends of the earth and preach the gospel and make disciples. The Great Commission, it's not just the Great Mission. This is our mission together. We are called to invite together. We're not called to serve alone, we're not called to grow alone, and we are called to invite together. We're not called to invite alone. We are better together when we invite together. So would this place be a place where we could invite other people when we don't have the answers? And we can say, listen, like, like I, I don't know the answer to that, but, but I know Jesus, and I know I meet him here, and I encounter him here, and we could, we could try to wrestle through some of those questions and, and meet my friend Hayden, or meet my friend Allison, or, or my group leader, and, and let's talk about that, and let's process that here 
at, at, at Arbor, would this be a place where we could invite people when we don't have all the answers? You see, the disciples, the disciples didn't have all the answers. Like when Philip met Jesus in John 1 and Jesus said, come follow me, Philip ran to Nathanael. And he said this to him. He said, we have found the one Moses wrote about in the law. And the prophets also wrote about. Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nathanael replied, listen to his reply here. He said, can anything good come out of Nazareth? And look what Philip said. He said, come and see. Come and see. And so Philip didn't get into this theological debate with Nathanael. They didn't go back and forth. He just said, listen, I don't know, man. Like, they didn't argue some point in the prophets. He just said, come and see. He knew that if he got Nathanael in the presence of Jesus, everything would change. Everything would change. And what I believe with all my heart is that if we can just invite and get our friends and our family members into the presence of Jesus, he can change them. He can change anyone. He can change anything. And and I believe that his presence is here. Jesus said where two or three are gathered together, I am there. In in Psalm 22, 3, God says that he inhabits the praises of his people. When we lift up our voices and we gather together in this place and we wait on God and we say to him, God, we are waiting upon you. Would you speak to us? Would you change us? Would you transform us? His presence is there in a special and unique way. Yes, we can worship God on Monday and Thursday and Saturday, but when God's people gather together seeking his face, he is there in a special, special way. And listen, for some of our friends and neighbors, this is exactly what they need to experience. We need to invite them into this place. This is exactly what they need to encounter. Listen, we might not have it all together. And and we might not have all the answers, but we we can say, come and see. We can say, come and see. I mean, where would so many of us be if someone didn't do that for us? They didn't say, hey, come and see. And I wonder who's waiting on the other side of your invitation say, hey, come and see. Who's, who's waiting there? You know, even though I don't like fishing, when we lived in Michigan, uh, my three kids went through this little phase where they were like, we just want to fish. And I was like, this is my worst nightmare. <laughs> and so like begrudgingly, we went to the store and we picked up some cheap fishing rods and we got some bait and we went to this little lake. And let me tell you, like for someone who doesn't like fishing, adding kids to the mix doesn't make it much better, Okay. <laughs> So you have the tangled lines, you have the tears, and you have this, re- this like sudden realization over all my kids, like we have to wait here for these fish to come. Like you don't just throw the line in and catch a fish. And so listen, we worked through the tears, we worked through the tangled lines, and we waited and we caught some fish. And let me tell you, there is a unique joy that happens when you actually catch a fish, right? Check out some of these pictures of my kids caught these little tiny fishes. There's Ethan. Got another one of Miles right there. Look at that. Wow. Look at those smiles, right? Wow. It was all worth it. You see guys on Facebook, you know, hold those big fish, and they're like, they're like, look at my fish, right? They're like smiling. They're like so excited. No one's ever like dour, like, check on my fish, you know? Like, there's an excitement that comes with catching a fish. And listen, there is an indescribable joy of helping someone go from darkness to light. There's an indescribable joy. And so here's what I want to challenge us uh, toward over these next few weeks. Um, I'm not challenging you to like go on a street corner and hold a sign and be like, turn or burn, sinners. Like, (laughs) 
that would be weird and scare people and not be helpful. But, but what I want to challenge us in these next few weeks is that we would pray, God, would you open my eyes? Would you open my eyes and help me see other people like you see them? The people in my office, the people in my neighborhood, would you open my eyes to see that they need you and would you help me to see that you've put me in their life for a purpose? And then I pray this over our church. I would just pray for boldness. Boldness to start a conversation. Boldness to ask a question. And it can be as simple as, listen, hey, how can I pray for you? How can I pray for you? And that person might be like, you can't, stop, don't, no. But, but it might be the beginning of a conversation where they're like, actually, I'm really struggling with so-and-so. And, and, and it could be a conversation that, that ends up changing absolutely everything. And some of you might be like, I can't even do that, Ryan. I, I wanna be able to share my faith, but that's even too much for me. At the very least, find that person, that neighbor, that friend, that coworker, and give them one of these invite cards on your chairs, as you came in and sat down, as you walked in, you were probably handed one of these invite cards. And just give this to them. And be like, listen, I don't, I don't know what your situation is right now. I don't know what you're going through. But what I do know is that Jesus changed my life. And I know that I meet him here and I encounter him here at Arbor Church. And it, it's not like church as you've always known it. Like, I think you'll actually like coming to this church and, and, and check it out and, and here's when it is and I'll pick you up or maybe we can go get lunch afterward because listen, here's what I believe. I believe that as we're obedient in all of these ways that we've learned over these last few weeks but especially in this way, that as we go out and as we not just follow Jesus but as we also fish for people, that God's gonna bless our efforts. He's gonna bless our obedience and that there's going to be incredible joy that we experience in this room because people are gonna meet Jesus for the very first time time. But that can only happen when we're obedient. So let's pray. Father God, I just pray right now that you would give us the strength to be obedient in this regard. Or we live in a world, I think, that many people are so antagonistic to who you are, Jesus. But I pray for boldness. I pray that you'd give us boldness to start that conversation, to ask that question, to hand out that invite card, God. Lord, would you open our eyes to see See our neighbors like you see them. See our coworkers like you see them. See the people that we go to school with like you see them. Would we believe deep in our hearts, God, that you are worth talking about and that our stories are worth sharing? The story of the gospel, how you've changed our life, how you've brought us from darkness to light, Jesus. And Lord, I pray for anyone in this room who's not ever made that decision once. And God, I pray, Lord, that they would know that it's as simple as believing in their hearts and confessing with their mouths that Jesus, that you are Lord. Because your word promises that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. There's nothing we can do to earn it. We can't buy it. It is a free gift. As we humble ourselves before you and surrender ourselves to you, Jesus. I pray this in your powerful name. Amen. Well, Jesus invited his disciples to experience uh, life with him, not just on the road as he was saying, come follow me, but on that one night before he was crucified, he invited them to experience the new covenant. And at that dinner, he took bread, he took a cup of wine, and he said to him, this bread is my body given for you, and this cup is the new covenant in my blood poured out for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And Jesus invites you and me to participate in that 
as well. And what we're going to do right now is that if you're a follower of Jesus, we're going to take communion in just a moment. But as the band sings this next song over us, would we just take this time to just remember and reflect on the goodness of God to us as he has invited us to a life that we could have never imagined. And it's not perfect, and it's not easy, but it's worth it. Would we reflect with gratitude on Jesus' invitation to our lives? And as we do that, when you're ready, you can head to the sides, you can grab the cup, you can grab the bread, and you can take communion as we remember Jesus' death for us right now.